if you would turn to 2 Timothy tonight. It's been a little over a year now, a year and two or three months since I stood here and preached. But I have preached a few sermons between there and here, just not behind the pulpit. Um, I've stood in a, sat in a restaurant or stood in a gym or somewhere and shared the gospel um, with people. And uh, I feel like, I won't claim it, but it feels like I've been on a missionary journey. And it feels like I'm home from the mission field. And I have a successful story to tell. Um, when I left here a little over a year ago, uh, the, the company I worked for had asked me to go to San Antonio for a couple of weeks. And kind of on the way out the door, they said, but could you do maybe 90 days? And uh, I came home a year later. And uh, I missed my wife. I missed my life my family, my church family, but I knew when I left that God was sending me. It wasn't just going to build airplane parts. I went to uh, serve in the army of the Lord. And uh, when I arrived there, things were much, I don't know, worse in the manufacturing world than I would have imagined. And uh, we began to work on that. And my weeks were wake up about 3.15 in the morning and uh, make it back to my hotel and then apartment um, somewhere between 7 and 9 o'clock in the evening just to start it over again. It was almost like being in a work release program. Uh, we didn't see daylight. Um, there was a job that had to be done. Nobody told me you had to work 90-hour weeks. It's just what it took to do the job. And sometimes when you're sent to do the job, and it began to wear me down, began to break me down. There were some dark times. I come home two days a month, and I just felt dead inside. I mean, it was eating me up so bad. And yet, I wasn't going to give up no matter what. I was given a job to do. I said I would do it. And whatever it took, I was going to do that job. And here again, I knew I wasn't there just to build airplanes. I remember one morning, I shared it here actually, uh, at about 4.30 in the morning on my way to work, and you just wore down. It's almost like, you know, is this, can I do it? How long can I do it? And how do I continue to do it? And I, I drove down 281, a six-lane highway there in San Antonio at 4.30 in the morning. I just happened to look to my right, and one of these huge uh, LED signs, I mean the biggest ones they make, was lit in white. I mean it was, it lit the place up. And it said, think God. Right in the middle of my darkest moment. And that's not how it hit me. What I seen was, thank God. And I began to praise him and to worship him on my way to work. And I just felt his presence around me. You can't do what we were doing forever. Um, I walked out of the machine shop in November, early November, 
and I, I, that day I felt like the top of my head was going to blow off, and I knew something wasn't right. A couple of weeks later, I woke up one day, and I just couldn't go. I, I woke up, and I went like Branson goes. That's how we went all day long. Um, and all of a sudden, I couldn't do that anymore. Just It wasn't there. And uh, later found out, had some issues. But fast forward to March, they sent me home for COVID. And that saved my life. I had no idea. Part of what was going on was uh, I had a heart issue. And I woke up in late March in the middle of the night with a knot in the middle of my chest. Felt like I had a rib out in my back. My neck felt strained. I sat up for an hour waiting for it to go away. It didn't. So I woke my wife up and we headed for the hospital. And I'll never, remember, never forget, on the way to the hospital, it was a very short prayer, but I said, God, I gave my life to you. You called me. If you're done with me, then I'm going home. And if not, help me to get through the next few hours. I don't know what that means, but this isn't right. And I went into the hospital. They got me into uh, the emergency room, uh, gave me a little bit of medicine, and I began to black out. And I told them, you're losing me. I'm, I'm fading out here. And they rushed around and took care of some things. We took three EKGs and CT scans and all kinds of stuff. And about 9 o'clock the next morning, that started at 1 o'clock in the morning, and 9 o'clock in the morning, the pain came back and it began to grow. I told them. They gave me more medicine. I began to black out again. Things weren't right. And if you've ever had uh, nitroglycerin, you trade one problem for another. Eventually, the pain goes away, but it's a raging headache. And, uh, and then rushed into emergency surgery. They thought it would be an open-heart surgery. Um, as it ended up, they were able to go through my wrist and uh, put a stent in. I had 100% blockage in my right main artery. Um, they said people don't live through that. But God saved my life. And I'm standing here as a testimony that when he's done with you, he's done with you. When he's not, he's not. And I'm here because he's not done with me. And, uh, and I want to stand for him. And I've tried to do that. But uh, you know what? I learned one thing that day. I'll never forget. I think most people wonder this. Most of you probably wonder it. Maybe some of you have faced it. We always wonder, when I face death, what will it be like? How will I handle it? Will I be in a panic? Will God be there with me? Will there be a calming effect? I don't know what the next time will be like. I don't know. Maybe I won't have a next time. I go to heaven before that. It could happen any time. But I can tell you that time, God gave me a calming spirit. And I faced death with a calm spirit. I was never upset. I was never anxious. I'm telling you, I know that people suffer with anxious and anxiety and things like that. And listen, I have fears too. But that time, God was with me, and I was not afraid. And uh, I'm thanking for that. I'm praising for it. While I was there in San Antonio, there was a man who worked with me. He, he really worked side by side with me. He took care of me in a lot of ways. He was, he was a, a help like I could never describe. And as time went on, in prayer, God revealed to me that Steve Garcia was the reason 
I had gone to San Antonio. And so I told him that. I said, you understand I didn't come here to build airplanes. I came here because God sent me here. I've known it. I didn't know why, but now I know you, Steve Garcia, are the reason God sent me here. And we began to talk, and he spent time together. He came to my apartment, uh, went out to eat, got to know his family. He's got a wonderful family. And uh, they kind of took me under my wing, their wings uh, there. In fact, his wife, I don't know what you call them, but they're light, they're fluffy, uh, they're covered in sugar, and she makes them at Christmas time, and they look like pinwheels, and they are amazing. <laughs> Jenica could make, I don't know what she calls them, I can't remember, but they are really good. But more than that, I realized that I was there for that. And before I left, I was able to spend time with that family. I had no idea. You know, I tried to encourage them, tried to talk to them, spend time with them, talk about the Lord. The week after I left, Steve got word that he was going to lose his job. And that whole time that I was there working, I was trying to help save 120 jobs, 120 families' livelihood. And the week after I left, the decision was made. Steve was told he was going to be laid off. And the next day, his wife, Jenica, was told that she would lose her job too. And so that family today is concerned. They're worried. But Steve keeps telling me, but I've got this friend that has told me not to worry because he's been through these things, and it'll be okay. And I talk to him weekly, multiple times a week, and God's working in Steve's life, and he's learning to trust God with his future, because he doesn't know what's going to happen, but God does. And I'm excited to see what God does to and through the Garcia family that's in San Antonio. Not the only ones that uh, met there, but uh, to me, that's a success story. Eternity has been changed. It cost me a year of my life and some health issues, but I'll tell you what. When I stand around the throne with Steve Garcia, it's going to be all right. I won't care one bit. So, Praise the Lord. I want to talk to you tonight about a good soldier of Christ Jesus. If you've already turned to uh, 2 Timothy, Saul wrote, actually Paul wrote the book of Timothy. Originally his name was Saul. Saul was a persecutor of the church. In fact, he describes himself as a Pharisee born of Pharisees. If there was ever a Pharisee, Paul was a Pharisee. Now, Paul, if you were to see him, was about four foot seven, they say. So well under five foot, about four and a half feet tall. If there was ever a man that could stir things up, man, it was Paul. That guy caused a ruckus everywhere he went at foot, four foot seven. I mean, most of the, probably all the women here are taller than he was. And yet when Paul came to town, there was such a power of God upon him. And the salvation is confrontational. And when he presented it, people were confronted and they reacted in different ways, often violently towards him. But before that, he persecuted the church. And God, as you'll remember, uh, knocked him down, blinded him for a time, and, uh, and Paul turned, uh, Saul turned his life to Jesus and uh, changed his name to Paul. 
He then went on a crusade for 30 years, made three major uh, missionary journeys. And about halfway through uh, that time, he met a young man. In fact, it was in his second missionary journey, he met a young man uh, and his family by the name of Timothy. Um, His mother and grandmother were wonderful Christians, and he was raised... uh, in a family atmosphere like that. And so as, as Timothy grew, uh, Paul didn't have children. And uh, he adopted Timothy not only as a protege, but really as his son and his son in Christ. And so having spent a lot of uh, time with Timothy, Timothy uh, would be even left at times uh, somewhere. If Paul started a new church, they still needed leadership he felt like he could trust Timothy to leave him there as he went on. Paul had been in prison. He'd been released. He was back in prison, and he knew he was going to die. And in fact, uh, when he wrote the book of Timothy, within a year, probably less than, he was walked down a Roman road and beheaded and lost his life. And he knew that. He knew that that was coming. Um, He didn't know when it was going to happen. And so I would encourage you to go back and read the whole book of 2 Timothy, what it is, is the last words of Paul. You know, everybody wants to, no, everybody believes that no one lies on their deathbed. They'll always tell the truth. That's the belief. And this is the last word. Everybody puts a lot of weight on last words. This is kind of the last word from Paul. We find him uh, in a Roman prison. We'll see that in a little bit. And so I want to take a look at, he's made an introduction, he's talked about uh, Timothy and his life, and I want to take a look at uh, uh, then what he starts to talk to Timothy about being a good soldier. If you would stand with me, uh, 2 Timothy, the second chapter, and I'm going to read the first 10 verses. You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Jesus Christ. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses entrusted entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is not is to please the one who enlisted him. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. It is the hardworking farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. Think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David, as preached in my gospel, for which I am suffering, bound with chains as a criminal. But the word of God is not bound. Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect that they, they also may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. If you would bow your heads. Our Heavenly Father, this is your service and your time. And Lord, we pray that you would take this stammering tongue, these few words, and Lord, that uh, someone would be blessed. Someone uh, uh, would uh, receive what you have for them. God, we just ask that uh, lives would be changed, eternity changed, uh, and God, that we would go forward as your soldiers uh, serving you. We ask all this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior. We give you the honor, the glory, and the praise. Amen. You may be seated. 
I want to just kind of work my way through. I want to look at the first three verses there. It says, you then, my child, be strengthened by the, by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men, who will be able to teach others also. Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ. Here again, like I had mentioned to you a while ago, Paul is talking to his son, his protege, the one that is to really, he feels is going to carry on the torch for what he has done. Many others will, but Timothy was kind of that favorite son. And so Paul is uh, trying to give him the best that he can, the last kind of charge uh, to, uh, to be faithful. He tells him that he's done it in front of a whole, uh, many people. That that's one of the things, you know, Paul didn't just say it in private, but he, the things he was telling Timothy that were the truth, Paul had s- said in front of everyone. It wasn't uh, just a secret. Uh, he tells him to go and to teach others, to go and tell others. And I think that has to apply to us. It, it's very important that we tell others uh, to be a Christian and to never let anyone know. It's hard to do. Whatever you uh, dwell on, whatever you think about, um, just think about this. Tomorrow at work, uh, or some of you may not get to go to work, but uh, those of you at work, um, whatever the latest TV show is that everybody's interested in, that's the talk, or you know, whatever it is, the latest golf game or, or basketball or whatever it is, what you're interested in is going to come out. Man, we have, we're Christians, and we'll talk about that. Let's tell others about it. Um, it says uh, to share in the suffering as a good soldier. I promise you that there is suffering, uh, that uh, being a Christian is not all fun and games. It's been talked about. I think if you're a Christian, you carry burdens for others, whether it's other family members, it's neighbors, it's people we know those that we meet. I don't know about you, but I often walk through um, a store, Walmart, uh, somewhere, and uh, I'm not just a boisterous, outgoing person. Some people are able to do that. I I, I don't do that. But I wonder, who is God going to put in that person's life? Or you look across a crowd of people and you just wonder, how what kind of a chance are they going to have? What kind of a chance are they going to be given? And so we're talking, uh, uh, there's going to be suffering with it, though. We're going to not only suffer as we in prayer, but also suffer in persecution. There's people that aren't going to like us for the stands that we take. People, just because you put the name Christian next to you, there's going to be people that hate you. There's going to be people that don't like you. And I feel like it may not be real distant in our country that we'll face that. We've not faced that real strong yet. Some have in some areas, um, but it could uh, very quickly get a lot worse. And I think that we need to understand that as a soldier, we will suffer. There are things that we're going to face in our lives that, uh, that God is going to put us to uh, and through. And by the way, that suffering doesn't always just happen from the world outside of us. You know, uh, there's a growth factor to that. Uh, God chastises His children. And sometimes there's going to be a little suffering because uh, God needs to put you or allow you to go through something in order to be able to take others through it 
and to lead them. And so when we face tough times in life as a Christian soldier, then uh, it says for us to, uh, to worship Him and to praise Him even in those times. Really hard to do. Uh, but I think that we need to look and recognize that if we are a Christian, everything in our lives is intended to draw us nearer and point us to God and to, uh, to praise Him. And uh, if we turn that back to praise, it's amazing what it'll do for us and for others. We will share in the suffering. We look at verses 4 through 6. It says, No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits, since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. It is the hardworking farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. Uh, the, first, uh, the fourth verse there, the first of those three verses, talks about a soldier. And it talks about first, a soldier does what he's told. A soldier is trained. If you were to see the things that the soldier, and I've never been a soldier uh, other than the Lord's army, but as I read and as I follow and do what the scriptures and what God leads me to do, it's amazing what happens. But the fact is a soldier uh, that goes to war, most often when the bullets start flying, he doesn't think about what he's going to do. He's already been trained. He was trained underneath live fire and immediately he reacts and does what needs to be done. Um, the soldier does what he's told. He does what he's taught. Apply that to us. If we've read our Bible, we've been on our knees, we've prayed, we've spent time with God, when the bad times come, there's just some things that automatically happen. It's not like we've got to run to a counselor. We don't have to go somewhere. We don't have to go find somebody. We can hit our knees. We can get in our Bible. We can just begin to talk to God, and the right things begin to happen. And, uh, and so that's all a part of what a soldier does. He does what he's told. But not only that, soldiers leave comfort behind. No soldier goes to war and then every evening goes home to the comfort of his home. The soldiers stay together. They, they fight together. They live together. They're out there on the front lines together doing what they're told. And as Christians... That happens right here. We support each other. <clears throat> we contact each other. We stay together. We support each other. I've watched at times, uh, we Christians, churches, often will eat our own quicker than we'll go after those on the outside. Um, it's a sad thing to see, but it happens. A soldier doesn't leave others behind. When you go to battle, you bring back your wounded and your dead. Our country has spent a lifetime, lifetimes, still looking for soldiers in previous wars. Every now and then, especially out of the Vietnam War, we'll hear of uh, soldiers coming home. Sometimes out of World War II, uh, remains found. My grandpa was a World War II veteran, 
fought in Okinawa. If you've studied any war, that was an awful battle. He was in the army. They split that uh, uh, island in two, and the, the army went one way and the Marines another. My grandpa ended up taking over a 30 cal, I believe, uh, machine gun. He said they would have to replace the barrel every day. They would actually wear a barrel out through the day. He come home, uh, he, he struggled with that. Uh, they didn't have the uh, counseling and things that they have today to help those guys deal with uh, that. And so for 40 years until he ever talked to someone, uh, he struggled with it. He hid away all the medals and things like that, and they were stolen. And so for a birthday one year, um, his family, our, us, our, my family, worked to get those medals restored. And we finally began to hear the story. Grandpa had a purple heart. He had many things. But one thing that he had was a bronze star. And they don't just give bronze stars out. Grandpa had climbed out from behind his 30 cal machine gun. If there was safety, that was as close as there was to it. Had gone out on the battlefield and gotten a comrade, a, a friend, and brought him back and was wounded during that time. Folks, in this time right now, there are wounded on the battlefield. There are people that are scared to death. And we as Christians owe it to them to make contact with them, to call them, to go see them. Some of them in our own congregation. Some of them in your neighborhood. Some of them in your family. Step out of your comfort zone. Take a little suffering. If you get beat up a little bit, it's okay if you're doing it for the right reason. But we need some soldiers that will step out from behind the safety and get out on the battlefield and rescue some. Some of them are Christian brothers. Some of them are unsaved souls. But there's some people out there. And let me tell you something. There's a day coming when a few people are going to get a bronze star in a crown. And others aren't. But it's there for everyone. In fact, I was just reading earlier today. The harvest is ripe but the harvesters are few. It's up to us. You look around. It's us. We're the ones. We're the army. We've got the answers. And we as soldiers need to step forward and take a few bullets. It's okay. It'll just hurt for a little while. That song they sang a while ago, man, I love that song. I never, I don't, I've probably heard it a thousand times and don't remember it, but man, that was good. An athlete. The, uh, the fifth verse there says, an athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. There's no shortcut. Some have thought there were. I couldn't help, I, I love sports. You know, the, uh, the 1990s and early 2000s of baseball will forever be ridiculed for steroids, right? At the time, it was great. 
TV ratings were great. People got rich, but the players are now ridiculed and looked down upon. There's a forever an asterisk beside those men. They took a shortcut. They didn't play according to the rules. Lance Armstrong. There was a time when he was almost treated like a god. But today, his name is nothing. But I'll bet you there's a name out there that very few of you know. Has anyone here ever heard of Rosie Ruiz? In 1980, Rosie ran the box. She dropped out, climbed on the uh, subway, rode it to the finish line, and a mile from the finish line, she jumped in with the leaders and won the race. Set the third fastest time ever for a woman at that time. She was taken to the podium, raised. She ran the marathon in two and a half hours. The thing about it is, is Rosie had actually ran marathons before. She'd ran one. Uh, when they began to interview her, she said that her fastest time ever was two hours and 50 minutes. And I think that's really fast. But it didn't get her the attention she wanted. Now she was... And they asked her, how did you knock 20 minutes off of your time? And she said, I trained myself. They began to ask her about special training, interval training, or the types of training she was doing. She was confused. She had no clue what they were talking about. And forever. You Google it when you get home. Some of you will. It'll pop up. There's YouTube videos of her. Forever her life will be ridiculed because she didn't follow the rules. God has laid out a set of rules. It didn't matter that she did or didn't read them. She knew she was breaking them. And let me tell you, it doesn't matter if you read or don't. Most of us know if we're breaking them. The world knows they're breaking them. They've been written down and they're there for us. If you're a Christian, I would suggest read it. Learn the rules. It'll change your life. It's life-changing. But the fact is... To not, and to not know the rules, and to play outside of the rules, leads to disgrace. Whatever that is. There are no shortcuts. We can play by the rules, and we can play tough. And there's people that have done that. I suspect that very few of you would know who Ray Caldwell is. Some of you are trying to, Ray Caldwell. Ray Caldwell pitched for several different major league teams, but in particular, in 1919, he pitched for the Cleveland Indians. Ray Caldwell was on the mound. He had pitched eight and two-thirds innings. He had one out to get and would win a game two to one. And lightning struck right next to him and knocked him out cold. They thought he was dead. It, it literally electrified all of the players throughout the infield. The, the umpire felt it. It knocked the mask off of the pitch, uh, the catcher. The shortstop was trying to get to Ray, and his legs were numb. He couldn't even move. And Ray laid on the mound, they thought, dead. After five minutes, he woke up, got up, finished the game, and won. Got one more out. 
The next guy grounded out to third. Apparently the third baseman wasn't completely numb. It's a true story. It really happened. And it is hilarious and it's funny. But let's apply it to us. Some of us are going to get struck by light. Some of us are going to get knocked flat. And some of us have got to get up and finish one more inning. The rules are written. We know what has to be done. And sometimes you just got to tough it out just a little bit. Okay? God's looking for some soldiers, some warriors. The farmer. The sixth verse. It is the hardworking farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. How many of you have worked on a farm? I'm sure some of you grew up on a farm and never did a lot of wheat uh, crops. So I've not been involved. I did get to haul some hay. <laughs> I bucked a few bales. But... When it's, when it's planting season and when it's harvest season, there's no days off and there's no excuses, right? The farmer lives that kind of life. There's time set aside and it has to happen. If not, you're not going to eat next year. There's not going to be either money or crops. I did grow up around dairy farms. I didn't grow up on one, but my cousins owned them and I helped milk cows. And you know those cows don't milk themselves. They, they have to be herded into the barn two or three times a day, and they have to be milked. You know, you don't just go to the store and get it out. of It, that's, it doesn't just happen there. Somebody had to milk the cows. Some, there's no excuses, right? And you know what? As soldiers, there's no excuses. The harvest has to be brought in. The planting has to be done. Some are going to plant. Some are going to harvest. Some are going to get struck by lightning, but it has to get done. It will get done. God will get it done. And we're given the opportunity, and as a good soldier, this is, remember, this is Paul talking to Timothy. This is his last words to his protege, but it's also uh, the last words to us, and we get to participate in them and hear them. In verse 7, he says, think over what I say. For the Lord will give you understanding in everything. I want to go back to what I said a while ago. Ponder it. The rules are written. You know, there's a, there are games won. If you go back to athletes, there are games won because somebody knows the obscure little rule and they score the last run or hit the last basket or score the touch or whatever it is because they knew a rule. They knew what to do. They knew uh, what had to happen. Ponder it. Spend time in prayer. God will teach you. And I know this for a fact. You spend time in the Bible and you spend time on your knees and God will reveal things to you that you never imagined. He'll show you things. He's promised He would and He will. I've experienced that. I've lived it. I can tell you right now, God wants to show you things you've never imagined. He'll give you a boldness to go do, but you have to spend time with him. You've got to learn it. In verses 8 through 10, Paul says this, Remember, Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David, as preached in my gospel, for which I am suffering, bound with chains as a criminal, but the word of God is not bound. Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, 
that they may they also may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus for eternal glory. Paul had given everything for Christ who had given salvation for him. God bankrupted heaven. He gave the best that heaven had to give for our salvation. Jesus died for us. There's no way around that. If you don't accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, if those in the world don't accept Jesus Christ as their Savior, there is no way to salvation other than that. It can't be earned. You can read the book, but you have to experience. You have to have become that soldier. You have to have accepted a leader. Also, Paul was suffering. He was writing these words to Timmy, Timothy. Timmy, it might have been Timmy. I don't know, probably called him that. Timothy, chained to a wall in a prison in Rome, dug out of rock. He was in the ground, and he knew he wasn't ever going to come out of there alive and be a free man. And yet, in that condition, he was able to say, I'm bound, but the Word of God is not. God's Word is not bound. Folks, it doesn't matter where we're at. It doesn't matter what we're experiencing. In fact, at your worst moment might be your best moment. It might be the greatest opportunity you ever have to share the gospel with someone. Don't ever forget that. Don't ever forget how powerful that is. Not only did Paul give his last word to Timothy, and for us to be able to read, but Christian, come if you want to. Jesus also left us with his last words as Christians. There was a last word from Jesus. And by the way, it wasn't before he died. It was after he was risen and before he went back to heaven. But it was his last earthly words. And I want to read those to you. In Mark, in the 16th chapter, I love this, verses 15 uh, through 18. It says, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel. And he's talking to his soldiers here, by the way, and that's you and I. Proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up servants with their hands. And if they drink any deadly poison, it will not hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Those are the last words that Jesus said on this earth before he left. And they were said for us takes faith to follow that. It takes belief in the one that recruited us. Exactly what Paul was talking to early in that scripture. 